in relationships, I feel like that is such a huge part that so many of us miss. It's so easy to blame other people or to see the supposed big things that are wrong that other people are doing and to just put that on them to justify ourselves and our actions. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband in Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex love, marriage, ex marriage, divorce, ex divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband in Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. I've been thinking a lot about what we recorded last week. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I want people to understand is what you and I went through in developing our relationship until this point. Okay. So we talk a lot about how Steve and I were at a good point to be able to go to these support groups and help others. And I don't know if we've really discussed the fact that that was a long road for us to get there. Yeah. Like this is years. five years into our marriage. So people listening to the podcast may think like, oh, it came easy yeah, for them. Yeah, it certainly did not. No. And I mean, there was some of it, there were parts of it that came naturally, but but there were definitely parts that were hard and it went in waves. Okay. What would you say came naturally to you guys? So for me, it was very natural to come at this from a place that wasn't of anger which I think is a huge thing that we do have to learn in relationships. Can you pinpoint the time in your life where you were the most angry? When I was the most angry? Yeah. Just in the moment, angry, blow up, <laughs> boom. Steve looks like he can. Of yes, hers? Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday? Oh, oh Steve was thinking yesterday. <laughs> really? Not related to this at all. That car accident thing. That is the just, most angry I think I've ever seen. I have never in my life experienced rage like that. Like that from you coming out from, from me. You. When that car hit me, it was like that intuitive like fight or flight response. I was ready to freaking throw down. Just like so instant you were ready to f- adrenaline f- rush, anger, rage. Instead of flight, you were ready to fight. I was ready to fight. What stopped you? <laughs> he drove away. <laughs> you couldn't catch him. No. I think you could tell I was like ready to freaking oh rightly go so. ballistic on him. Yeah, like you just waxed his hood, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like all he said was "sorry, sorry I didn't see you. you," and then drove away. Well, and I freaking yelled at him for a minute about shared some choice thoughts with him <laughs> about how I felt about him not seeing me. Okay, but, but this is something that applies to the podcast. Is I happened to call you like five minutes after this happened. Yeah. Was it five minutes? How long was it? Uh, if even that? that, I ran like three blocks and then I kind of stopped and I was just like shaking and like, oh my gosh. So I just, I was, we were in the kitchen and I would just overheard it slightly. Like I thought you were like bawling. No. I thought you I were in tears. Just, or, well, I was panting, like breathing super hard because I was adrenaline. running okay. adrenaline and but I was just like freaking steamed and like seriously ready to like punch through this guy's window to like if you saw get him. at his throat. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, I could hear in his voice, like, you were shaken up. Yeah. Like, from the minute I got on the phone. I mean, I could tell you were working out, but at the same time, I knew there was something more going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, I think you heard that perfectly. Yeah. Well, in my response, Penny said they could hear me in her bedroom, and they jumped off the bed and were like, 
what just happened? Like something's mm. not okay because yeah. they could tell how I responded. Which is all the way across the house. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah, she was very concerned. Penny was. Oh yeah. Oh. Just on the voice because hearing her mom's voice, mm. concerned about. Because I didn't tell her until after I got off the phone, and she knew things were okay with whatever because I was yeah. calmed down. But I loved it when you texted me and apologized for overreacting, and I was like, that wasn't overreacting, and that were your people. Because it's true. And I did appreciate that. Like later in the night thinking about it, I was just like, I mean, you're still my emergency contact. (laughs) (laughs) Like if that actually was an emergency, you were the one that I would have like wanted to. See, that's pretty amazing because I couldn't imagine putting Anne as my emergency (laughs) contact. No. Yeah. And that's reality for so many of us. I mean, and it's sad for me to say this, but I feel like if she was an emergency contact, she'd be like, oh, he's hurt. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And that's but just I don't know. I, I mean, the yeah. reality of what you've been through. Yeah. All right. Back to the original yes, question. Because that was way just off okay, course. Okay. So that's when Steve <laughs> has been the most mad in his life. I can only remember a couple times of really being mad, like really mad. And one was the one we kind of talked about when I threw the phone in mm-hmm. that apartment. Because, and it wasn't necessarily that I was mad at you, Steve, or anything. I was just mad at the situation. Like, this was when we were living in, in Maryland, Maryland for and we that were, summer job. It was miserable. We were just so stressed out. Yeah. And we weren't able to connect. And that Our was life something... was so out of balance. Like, it was all work and nothing else. Yes. It was all stress, all yes. work, and nothing else. And that wasn't something that worked for the situation we were in. Yeah. She just chucked the phone. <laughs> I threw the phone across the room. That after helps. Steve walked out, like, he was gone. Because that helps things. Yeah. <laughs> Put a hole in the wall? No. Just broke my phone. Against the wall. Yeah. And that's totally not who I am. (laughs) But that was one of the times I've been the most mad. Yeah. And I felt like, honestly, sometimes I felt like that was the only way I could be heard. Not by you, but I just because I don't get mad. And so sometimes I think, and I think this is true somewhat with both of you, Matt and Steve. Like, you don't know how to take me seriously when I get upset. Like, it's a learning curve, right? (laughs) We're both looking at her like, What? Maybe that's my own feelings. What do you mean? I think this is a false belief that you have. That you're it telling yourself. very well could be. It could be. And I mm. think, so at that point for me, I think I just needed to be heard and for somebody to take me seriously. So I threw the phone. So, so. you threw the phone and couldn't talk to anybody at that point. <laughs> Except Steve, because he was there. <laughs> oh, you were I don't there? think I stayed after that. No, you left. You were already gone when I threw the phone. Got and then you of, came back. At least got out of arm's reach. <laughs> <laughs> You. I say that. I ironically found after we recorded last time, I went back and I was trying to. I pulled out my journals because I wanted to see if I had one about if I had a journal entry about right after I came out to my mom. I don't, and that's too bad because I wish I had a better idea of how like what that felt like right afterwards. But but ironically, I found a journal entry about that literally said. Jessica is really mad at me tonight. It was way later, like yeah. beyond this story. But you had said, I don't even know why I'm doing this. You don't even want me. And Interesting. Yeah. And you'd stormed out. And that's the thing I want people to realize is that there were these moments of like <laughs> intense frustration for both of us. Yeah. And so how did you guys get through that intense frustration, anger? Yeah. We got really good after five years into our marriage of recognizing those moments in the other one and then coming and 
at that point, I feel like when we were able to recognize those things, we were able to step back and say, okay, I can see Steve struggling right now. And how can I help him? So like I could lay aside if I was feeling whatever and instead put myself like, how can I help him and get him to open up to me? Because I know he's going to be in a better place if he can talk to me. There was a, a long period of time where I felt like we did not communicate well initially when one of us was upset. Like, yeah. Where was that in your timeline? I can picture it in most of the houses we lived in. So, <laughs> Which house was that in? <laughs> including the hotel in Oklahoma. So clear up till the last few months of our marriage. The one I'm thinking of was in the hotel in Oklahoma where I just like lost my temper with you. And I was like, clearly you're upset at me. You've been ignoring me for hours, like storming around, like throwing things down. Like what is wrong? Like, talk to me. <laughs> Throwing stuff again. Just oh like, <laughs> you know, just like very aggressively doing whatever it was that you were doing. And I don't know. I just know there were times that I feel like we kind of went through a phase, not a phase, but like we would, it would take us a while to get to the point that we were ready to talk about stuff sometimes. Oh, You've, yeah. Okay. So, But it was, it was like, highs and lows, like through all of the timeline. There was highs and lows. I mean, so if you line. think about this, like Colorado is probably the easiest time. Colorado into Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? You, yeah, you agree with that? Statement? I would. There was less. What about Belize? Like, was Belize easy for you guys? Belize, we did pretty well. It was pretty good. The only thing that attributed, I think, there is that I don't know that we were really addressing things. Right. It was, kind, think of it a, was kind, kind of a hiatus. From... Yeah. Was that because you were losing yourself in the work of partially the job? Like. Um, I think, I'm going to say losing ourselves in the work of the church in Belize more so. Okay. Yeah, I would but, say church and work, and like work. real work. Uh, yeah, and I worked as, I was working like, so do you by think, the end it was like 70 or 80 hours a week. It was absurd, but. Do you think by losing yourself in your job and the church service was a good thing or was it just, do you feel like it was just sweeping it under the rug? No, I think it was a good thing. I think we still had a healthy relationship. Steve, what were your yeah, thoughts? We did. Well, I think Belize was kind of like the start of, I mean, me moving to Belize, like Jessica, you talked about, that's when we first started, like, that's when I finally addressed like, okay, I'm gay. Or I know back in, then I was, you know, using terms like I struggle with homosexuality or so Belize was like a building up phase of like me being ready to talk about stuff. So Colorado Springs is when, like, that's when we were at the peak of our communication with each other. And yes. And, you know, you said after recording last week, you've thought a lot about what you wanted to lead into this week. I did the same, kind of on a different spectrum, which I don't know if I bring that up now or later, but... I'll bring it up now. So, like, my thought was, I re-listened to that episode. I've re-listened to it twice, right after we recorded, and then again today, once it was edited and sent back to us. I listened to it, and, like, Matt, you asked, were these groups helpful? Would I recommend someone go to them? And I was like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And... I like I enjoyed them. I got a lot out of them. They were very helpful for me where I was at in that time frame. Yeah. But at the same time, I was thinking about my recommendation. Like, of course, someone go to these. But like they were good for me with what I was fighting for at that time. Yeah. Yes. And I was fighting to stay in the Mormon church, to stay on the straight and narrow, to stay in my marriage, to stay away from pornography, to stay away from homosexuality. So they were helpful in all those ways to accomplish what my goals were at that time. Did they alter the course of where we ultimately ended up? No. We got divorced. I came out. I'm gay. I'm much happier as being an open, gay, authentic version of myself. So, 
but I wouldn't change anything about our whole process in that. Like yeah. that time frame and those experiences in those various types of support we talked about really helped me. I mean, part of this led up to like me preparing to accept myself as a gay man and to be ready to like move on in that life and this life that I'm in now. Like they helped me stop hating that side of myself. So it was a good thing for Jessica and I, but at the same time, it was a very good thing for me personally as I am now because I needed, there was just so much self-loathing and so much that I absolutely, just total internal turmoil all the time. And that time frame in Colorado Springs and working through so much of this stuff just helped reduce that and very much helped me begin the process of accepting myself. Got you. Jessica, you seem like you're chomping at the bit to say something. (laughs) So going along with what Steve's saying, like that is totally what makes relationships better is when each person in that relationship can grow to love themselves and accept themselves for who they are. That's what was happening during that time is, yes, you might have been thinking like this might be leading towards you leaving me. But at the same time, it helped our relationship because you were more honest with who you were and what you were experiencing and feeling. Right. That is why we continued to have a good relationship up until the end. And I said, I don't think of it as the end. I don't think of our divorce as the end, but through the divorce and everything. And up till this point is that we both found ways to love ourselves through all of this and to appreciate. And we appreciated each other through that. It brought us closer instead of pushing us apart, which is weird. You agree with that, Steve? I do. And I think we both very much to go along with that. We, we both grew leaps and bounds in our own, self-confidence and self-identity and self-comfort level with ourselves, if that's And again, this was all going through these classes or these... The support group and the counselor that I was seeing and the Evergreen group and the books that we were reading and the workbooks that we were going through and... Okay. Which some of that we haven't gotten to yet, but... It was a lot of work in ourselves. It was, very much. And a lot of sharing that with each other. Like, Mm -hmm. we were very open about... So here's some of the breakthroughs I made this week, like working through, you know, that Evergreen group that I went to, they had a workbook. Yeah. And working through that, like I made some awesome breakthroughs for myself. So one of the things, Matt, like going back to your question about the angriest I've ever been or moments that I felt angry, I remember being very frustrated at times that I could not get Steve to open up when I wanted him to. Like I knew he was struggling. I could see it in him. I could feel it. Like I knew he was having a hard time. And I just wanted him to be able to talk to me about it. And that is where we got to in Colorado, yeah. is that it was a fluid conversation. That's open line of communication. Open line of communication that Steve finally realized, I was not going to leave him. I was not going to love him any less if he told me exactly what he was feeling and what he was going through. And I remember when I finally got to the point that I believed that and accepted that. It was in our second house in Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. So we'd moved out of the first one. We were in that little tiny apartment. I don't know. I just remember that that's where we were living when I finally got to the point that I knew I could tell Jessica anything and it would not make her love me any less. It would not change the course of our marriage. That I could tell her anything. Do you still have that feeling for Jessica that you (laughs) feel like you can tell her anything? (laughs) Yeah. And I only laugh because I think I do tell her. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much everything. Yeah. And I still feel that way. But this was, 
you know, halfway through our time in Colorado Springs. It must have been six years into our marriage. Yeah. That's how long it took me to get rid of that false belief that I can't be completely open with her without it screwing up our marriage. And this whole time, like, that's what I was trying to get him to understand. So there's nothing you can say and tell me. How did you get him to understand that then? I don't even, I think. I think it was just enough times that I, enough times of going through that experience where I would hit rock bottom and finally, like, unload my thoughts and feelings on Jessica. And we would be so much closer after that. It, would, it was a positive experience. And. And I think what happened is those moments got closer and closer. So like at the beginning of our marriage, I felt like that happened like every six months or something. Like it was drawn out, yeah. you know, like we'd have Which that. Which means six months of buildup and yes. six months of, yeah, it was and a And then it was thing. like this big thing and then we'd do pretty good. And then it would be like another six months. And then as we got further and further, like Belize and Colorado, it was much closer in between those times to where it was almost a daily a couple times a week conversation yeah. that wasn't that hard to have. Which means I wasn't like at a whole new rock bottom before I finally. Yes. <laughs> I was just, it was a day's was worth of. Yeah. It was a day's worth of like trials and successes and whatever challenges, whatever you want to call them, as opposed to six months worth or eight months worth or whatever. <laughs> and I feel like this can be applied to every marriage. Like I feel like Matt, you and I have been through this of trying to figure out those things that we can trust each other. And yeah. I think that took us a long time to rebuild that trust. And I've had to tell myself that a lot <laughs> through our marriage is that, okay, it took Steve six years to trust me, yeah, to really trust me. And that's something that I reminded myself well, a lot in our marriage. And when you and I got married, you went from somebody who, after the six years, developed this trust to where I was absolutely broken with any trust ever. Yes. Yeah, so probably by the end of Jessica and my marriage, our trust was at its highest point, or mm -hmm. was right before that at least. Oh, it still was. And at the end of your marriage, Matt, I, it was probably at its lowest point. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure like, that people understand we get it, all of us here. What is it? We get how hard relationships are, whether it's, your husband, your wife, your partner, your whoever, your co-parent. This isn't easy. It takes trial and error. So I've always told myself, well, not always, but in the last about four years, I've had this saying go through my head that is, it goes like this. The hardest things in life are worth the most. For sure. And I truly believe that the hardest things in life are cultivating and maintaining good relationships but they're worth the most because yeah yeah if we didn't have relationships we wouldn't have a support system i mean i think about on. the joy that i get from my relationship with you matt and i was just telling you this yesterday like how proud i am of you yeah. And getting to see you go through building your business and these relationships you've made and all of this stuff. And then going to business events with you, Matt and I have been at a business conference the last two days and just seeing up close and personal that side of you is like so overwhelming to me. Yeah, they've both been all hyped up on their whole new business excitement <laughs> stuff for the last 48 hours. <laughs> we want... To spread the things we have learned and share them. And that's what gets me excited when we go to these business things is that I realize we have the tools and opportunity to do that. That's why I get excited. 
because I want to help people because it's my greatest joy. I want other people to feel that great joy of what a real genuine relationship looks like. And it goes back to what Steve was just talking about is that it starts with loving yourself and finding that. And, and so as just saying how much joy I get from my relationship with Matt, I get joy from my relationship with Steve too. Like being able to not let the divorce crush us and instead make it something positive in our life that I do not view it as a failure, but I genuinely view it as a success that we've been able to do this. And Matt comes right in there with that, being able to walk into this relationship and build that. And I want other people to feel that too. That's why we're doing it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No question. Yeah. We feel that joy and it's hard, but we want people to find that too. One question for Steve. So Would you, at this point in time of your life, go join a support group like you did in Colorado Springs? None of those support groups. No way. No. Because that's not my... Okay, so what support group would it be? I don't think... I mean, I don't feel a need for a support group for me right now, but for someone who's newly out or someone who is trying to change their course in life, leaving the Mormon church or something. I mean, there's so many reasons that you could need people... That you could benefit from being with people who know what you're going through, and have some experience to share. Do you feel like you brought up leaving the Mormon church? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you're fully left? Yeah. Like I don't consider myself Mormon. No? No. And that's okay. That's that's totally fine. (laughs) Which is kind of partially why I thought back to last recording and saying, oh, yeah, these groups were great and they were wonderful and they'd be good for someone. They'd be good for someone in that scenario. And It's a time and a place. Yeah. 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 But I guess what I'm getting at, because when you brought that up, you said my goals and aspirations at that time of my life, I was going to these support groups to try and attain these goals. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess my question to that is like, okay, what are your goals then right now? My goals changed after we split Jessica. I mean, I had this conversation with people, particularly family members and some other people that I had relationships with who were very much wanting to help get me back on the straight and narrow path and getting back in good standing in the church and whatever. And I said, this is not the direction I am going. My goal is no longer to fight off this gay side of myself. My goal is to embrace it and to find a way to live a happy, healthy, fulfilling life as a gay man. That is my goal. Okay. That was a conversation I had with people. And I said, if you want to help me, get behind me in this goal. Because that is the direction I am wanting to head now. That is my goal. Okay. I'm trying to think, I don't know if that answers no, your question. I, it, but. It, it does, to a point. Like, I mean. So that's like what I wanted to bring out in all of this. And one of the things that I, I actually keep seeing, I write things on the whiteboard, sometimes to give us guides for episodes. And I keep seeing that word. And I specifically outlined it. It says apologizing on there. And that's something that came up over and over again when I reread my journals. Is I always wanted to recognize my part in our relationship. And I I still value that as I felt like there were so many people that I worked with and talked with that they couldn't recognize anything that they were contributing to the relationship that was negative. It was just constantly mm. pointing out what the other person was doing. The negative, it's, the other person. Well, and there's things were bigger. And, and so- That's what I was going to say is it's easy to do that when the person you're with has this one huge thing. It seems huge. That's, right. Yeah. And it would have been easy for you to do that in our relationship, but you didn't. Like, you never made me feel like, in my own mind, I kind of did this and made it feel like I was 
like way below you because I had this huge problem that I brought to the table that you didn't. But you know, you never, you never did that. You never made me feel that way. If anything, you like brought me back up to like an even playing ground when we finally did connect and I did open up with you and Jessica, why why are you in tears right now? (laughs) That's always what I wanted. And like to hear you say that just makes me glad that that was why I always want, I try to acknowledge my part in things and I'm not always perfect at it. I know that. But like in relationships, I feel like that is such a huge part that so many of us miss. It's so easy to blame other people or to see the supposed big things that are wrong that other people are doing and to just put that on them and to justify ourselves and our actions by doing that. And that's really what I wanted for you, Steve, and for you, Matt. I mean, that carries over into our relationship. I wanted you to be able to know that I didn't think less of you because of that. I wanted, I wrote, it's funny to me that it says apologizing so many times in my journal or that I needed to apologize or that I wanted to make sure you knew. I knew I had my faults too. I knew I had my shortcomings and I appreciated that you accepted me for those just as much as I was trying to accept you and love you for yours. And people always say it's not in spite of those things. It's because of those things. Like because we have shortcomings, it's easier to love each other and to see each other for what we are. Well, and I'm thinking of one example that you brought up in a prior episode. When you read, you suspected I was cheating on you or that some big thing had happened and you read my journal and you then immediately stopped and you apologized to me. I should not have read your journal. I should not have broken your trust, violated your privacy. When, in fact, you know, you were right in what you suspected and in what you felt. And, but again, you own. Steve, did you ever have like resentment that she read that? No, not at all. Okay. He was very, he's talking about that first episode in Oklahoma that we shared. That led to the conversation of me admitting to her that I'd had an affair while she was gone. And for me, that was the power. Over Labor Day weekend. (laughs) Yes, it was over Labor Day weekend. Happy happy friend anniversary. Happy friend anniversary. Labor Day weekend is always an interesting time for me to just like think and reflect because this is when everything so went down. Much... I said that because of, this is when Sebastian came into your life. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I always end up thinking about that at Labor Day and kind of taking like a little self inventory of like that was a huge shift. Mm-hmm. It's the start of a huge shift. So when is it? When is the right time to apologize? Anytime. It's the right time to apologize. I, for what? Well, taking a step back, like, for when I apologize to people. Like, for example, if I feel like I've taken a little bit longer time to respond back to an email on work on work stuff. Yeah. Like, I try to get very clear on, do I say I'm sorry for not responding as quickly as possible? Because then I start thinking, okay... Was I doing something that I should even be apologizing for? Like, because I was spending more time with my family, I wasn't able to get back to this client as soon as possible. And are you going to apologize for that? And therefore, I don't apologize for that because Mm -hmm. I truly believe that I shouldn't apologize for what I feel was the right thing. I don't know. So I think that's very different. I think that in like that context of what you're saying. I always think of that. And I was taught this 
with my first job and then with my business coach that I've had lately is that you come at it and you switch it to a positive, which I think you do a lot with work, Matt, is, hey, thank you for being patient. I was with my family. Thank right. you for having patience mm-hmm. in responding to this. And you can use so that in gratitude. any relationship you, you, too. Yeah. Like I think that went along with me apologizing a lot of the time is, hey, I'm sorry I did this. Thank you for being understanding and loving me basically. Yeah. Like I think that's part of it and too. knowing but, why I was snooping in your journal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. For recognizing my need at that time, it was I didn't go about it the right way and I'm sorry, but I appreciate you seeing that I have a need here that's not being met and hopefully we can talk about that. So, but I think it's different depending on the situation, but I think there are situations where you straight up say, I am sorry. sorry. Like I did not mean to do that. Was there a certain feeling you had? I guess my question is how did you guys like humble yourselves to say, look, I screwed up. Cause that's really hard to do sometimes is admit that we screwed up. I keep thinking of Brene Brown <laughs> going through my head now. It's the whole vulnerability aspect of, hey, this is what I felt. This is where I'm at. It's just stating those things. Yeah. This is where I'm at in my head. This is where I was coming from. Was this where you were at? Or am I creating a story in my head that's not true? Yeah. A lot of times. Or am I being honest with myself? In yes. The or is this really what I'm feeling from you? Is this the real intention? A lot of the times we're making up a lot of that's not there in our heads, right? making things worse than they are. And then that person can realize that if I had just told them, see it like there were lots of times if Steve had just told me what was going on, it was a lot better than what I was making up in my head. Well, I love Brene's (laughs) example. When they're swimming. (laughs) I don't know. What I'm thinking of is she's like, I sent this text to my parents and they didn't respond. What are are they thinking? They must be judging. They must be thinking. And then they respond, oh, we were unloading the groceries. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, oh. And here I was thinking I'd like ruined the relationship with my parents. They were unloading groceries. (laughs) So, and this is something that came up, especially this summer when we were with your family. Like a lot of times our minds, we directly go to worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Like, is that okay? No. (laughs) This actually got brought up in the business conference today, too, of why dwell on something or create anxiety about something that is probably not going to happen. Yeah, There's no point in it or something that we cannot control at all. Like somebody was using a hurricane as an example, ironically enough, that they're like, oh, my gosh, what are you going to do? And they're like, what can you do? So, yeah, I mean, so the the question that he got... Because he, he lives in Florida, yeah. and Florida is getting ready to get hit with this massive hurricane. And somebody asked him if he was worried about the hurricane, right? And he said, no, not at all. Why would I worry about that? There's nothing I can do about it. And worry is just going to be it's wasting my energy. Worse. Yeah. So you take care of what you can take care of, and then you have to learn to let the rest of it go, which is so hard for a lot of people. So how did you do that with me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how'd you get rid of no seriously? Like, how'd you get rid of that anxiety and understand that everything was gonna be okay? Because you could control what I can control. Yeah. Honestly, for me, it comes down to a lot of my spirituality and how I believe and confidence. I feel that I am a very strong believer that you try to be the best person you can be. You're never gonna be perfect. 
That's not required. People love you the way you are. You were created the way you were for a purpose, and you've got to trust that purpose. So for me, in committing to what I could commit to, knowing my limits of, okay, this is what I can do to follow the guidelines within my church, to commit to those wholeheartedly, and do my best that I can do. And I am promised that if I am doing the best I can to be a good person, everything's going to work out okay. And for me, that's honestly what it came back to is I know I made the right decisions. There was no doubt in my mind that I was supposed to marry Steve. Like we were made for each other, just as I say that with you, Matt, like we're perfect together. And Steve and I at that time were good together. Like we were what the other one needed. We really were. To recognize. I want to take that a little step further. Like you say at that time, like I truly believe like it is still going. I think so too. I agree with that. I love that you said that. <laughs> and that you're okay with that. <laughs> that. It's honestly amazing too when you come back to it that you guys are okay with this too. I'm not like no. the only one in this relationship that has done this. Because yes, Steve, I came at a place where I was able to let go of the things you were dealing with. Mm-hmm. But you both do that for me. Like we all do that. How are we doing that? <laughs> you. Does <laughs> <laughs> that make sense though? Like on some level, like you're able to let go of that idea that you should be jealous of my relationship with Steve. Like that doesn't even cross your mind at this point. That's a waste of energy. Exactly. And that's what it came down to for dealing with Steve. Like. I feel like I just got compared to a hurricane. No. (laughs) you, You were as honest with me as you could be. And that's all I could ask. There was no point in worrying about the rest. There were times that, yes, I did worry. And that comes out in journals and stuff. And we go back and read them. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, it was on my brain. But it wasn't all-consuming in that I didn't. Out of your control, bro. Yeah, out of your control, bro. Like, I still was able to enjoy my relationship and recognize all of the good that Steve brought to the table. It comes down to that, too. Focus on the good that's going on in the relationship, too. Not just the hard stuff. There's so much good that... Nine times out of ten outweighs the bad. Does that kind of answer that? Yeah, if you could focus on the good. If we could focus on the good rather than, like we talked about earlier, focusing on that one big thing, which could be the bad. Yeah. There's a lot of little things that are good. So. And those are some of the things, like, we brought up the book last week, too, at the end. Those are some of the things I'm trying to convey in this book is that, you know, you got to focus on yourself and what you can control. And find the confidence to own that and to accept that and to know that you are worthy of love no matter what the other person is doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) All right. All right. I think that about sums this up. (laughs) (laughs) That was kind of a disjointed episode, I feel like. Oh, I thought it was. Kind of all over the place. A little bit. But I think it all, I mean, it all feeds down to the main point. Yeah. Which is what? (laughs) What's the main point? Like, why are we doing this? We want people to understand that, like we said earlier, relationships are hard. It's a lot of work. But it is what brings the most joy into your life. And I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, because I've seen, I have all these different relationships that I never thought I would have. (laughs) Well, it's like, what else is there really other than relationships? Like, what else really matters if it isn't people and 
nothing the experiences you have with them like the rest of it i love that I, I always think of what you said about your dad doesn't really he wasn't saying about this but when he says it's just stuff everything else is just stuff if it's not people it's just stuff it is doesn't matter yeah <laughs> but what matters is the people who you associate with who you have relationships with yeah. Yeah. so all right cool well we're gonna go ahead and hug now and um <laughs> finish out this episode (laughs) until next week hey everyone for the takeaway this week we just wanted to really let you guys know that it is so important to love yourselves we change our bodies change things change and so we got to learn to love ourselves in a new way no matter what phase of life and don't let anybody tell you where you should be at or what you should be doing you pay attention to what feels right for you If you enjoyed today's episode, please go share it on social media. Take a screenshot, tag husband-in-law. And if you have a question, go to Apple Podcasts and put a rating and review and write the question in the review. We will be sure to answer it for you.